So my name's Tom Kielty. I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, I want to thank John for asking me to come this morning. Um, and and I, am, I am happy to be here. Um, I'm probably going to try to spend not very much time on what it was like. But uh, I want to start by saying that um, I, I, get, I always get very nervous like right before things are supposed to happen on the calendar. Um, and, and I've been this way as far back as I can remember. Um, and this morning I was thinking about it, and, and I think what it relates to is <coughs> when I was um, a younger person, and this was about 40 years ago, I was a very serious music student. And I, I played in a lot of orchestras, and um, I was in the wind section. And anybody who has any experience in an orchestra knows that all of the wind um, parts are, are solo parts. You know, you have like a sea of violins. And like if one of them dropped out, nobody would even notice. But your part as a wind player in an orchestra is it's literally a solo part. Nobody else is playing your part. So we, and I, I played trombone and, um, and, and we thought of ourselves as really like the stars of the orchestra. <laughs> um, and I, maybe because of that reason, maybe because of like character defects that I had just begun to cultivate, um, I thought it was very cute to like arrive at the, the concert like literally just moments before it starts. And one time I remember um, I didn't make it, you know, and, uh, you know, by the time I got to my seat and I had to kind of sneak on stage, the downbeat was just sort of happening. Luckily, the trombones, like, only play for, like, eight measures out of, like, you know, like a 45-minute piece or something. So I didn't, I didn't miss any note, but... I, it's very uncool to like sort of be sneaking onto stage as, as the conductor's like you know giving the downbeat and uh, nobody said anything but I, I was sort of traumatized by it and um, and I that's sort of been the course of my my acting out has been to basically just to to traumatize myself um, and I continue to do that for you know about another twenty years I, I first got into recovery when I was. Uh, I think I was 37. That's about 21 years ago, um, and, and I, I'm in a lot of different programs, uh, including <coughs> AA. I actually got into AA through OA, which may seem really weird. Um, I, you know, and it was it was from this meeting. I, this this meeting when it was over at the log cabin used to be um, not just my home meeting. It was like the meeting that was at the center of my recovery life. And I, I couldn't exactly tell you why. There was some alchemy there. that, And part of it was the homeless people. I, I liked it when the homeless people came in. Uh, other people did not like that. And, and we moved out of there. But um, it, just, it was so meaningful to me. And um, I, you know, I, it, it's never coming back. You know, that, that iteration of this group is never coming back. But, but I used to hear people speak from the podium there. I think there was a podium if I recall. And a lot of women speakers and, and people would have their book, you know, their tattered book up on the uh, podium and they they quote from it 
and they referred to it and it was clear that they knew it uh, and it was like really inspirational I was inspired by it um, and then I I got into AA I had actually not had a drink for a while I stopped drinking about 10 years ago to prove to myself that I wasn't alcoholic um, which even my young daughter thinks that's funny um, and and then I eventually started coming to meetings and um, and I tried to have an open mind and, and I, I sense discerned that I am absolutely alcoholic but um, I thought you know now I'm going to the place where where it all began and and if the if the middle-aged housewives of OA know the book these hip slick and cool you know uh, tatted up guys from, from from AA they will like know this book inside and out and it actually turns out not to be the case you know <laughs> I mean like I, I'm, I go to a meeting and like you have a bunch of guys like you know sort of hipster types with tattoos all the way down to their wrists and they're ending the meeting and they're like uh, where, where's the promises you know? <laughs> and I'm thinking like <laughs> I mean like really it, so in any case I, I want to thank the people I remember one of them was Diane C um, that's the weird thing for people who like aren't in AA to know the book the way that people in this program know the book and, and it is inspiring and, and it, it has led me to so many places and I'm, I'm basically just grateful I'm grateful to have found this group I, I will say I came into this group in a very strange way um, almost uh it's similar to like kind of a Mr. Magoo situation you know Mr. Magoo got into all these weird places because um, he couldn't see you know he was always like squinting and he had these big thick glasses on but he couldn't see so he'd end up in all kinds of dangerous places and never got hurt Uh, my wife has had serious weight control issues ever since I've known her and we've been together for over 20 years and I I love her I accept her exactly the way she is um, and she, we, she and I had gone to Weight Watchers for about a year and um, and, and, and I lost 50 pounds in, in Weight Watchers and, and she didn't lose any weight um, and when I got down to the part where I was going they, they let you briefly say what did you do and, and I just said I followed the rules um, and, and that if, if there's one strength that I have it is the willingness and the ability to follow the rules and, and I, I, I am a, I am an ex-Roman Catholic and, and I throw the Roman Catholics under the bus every chance I get <laughs> but I will say I attribute that ability and willingness to follow the rules to having been in a group that you, you, like, you kind of show up and you're just like okay what do we do what do we do now you know and, and there's something it's almost anti-American you know to sort of like follow you know rather than lead and, and to be like in a sort of a communitarian interdependent relationship with many people which I am now as opposed to like you're just sort of on your own um, but I have to tell you I've done both this is the way to go there's, there's like no comparison I mean people who are like off on their own maybe once in a great while they're a success in some strange iteration of, of, of whatever that word might mean but it's normally a train wreck 
and, and it was certainly a train wreck for me, and, and you guys have helped me get the train back up on the tracks, and, um, and it's, it's working now, it's running. Um, so after we had been going to Weight Watchers for about a year, and my wife hadn't lost any weight, I said, because I had had recovery in other issues, and, and, and I'm kind of like a, a, a 12-step uh, kook, I guess I would say. Um, I believe that these steps can solve every problem. These steps can solve any problem. I mean, whatever problem you have is susceptible of a solution through this process. All it requires is a willingness to show up, a willingness to <coughs> take direction, which is very tough for a lot of people, and a willingness to be honest. The honesty part is actually very, very difficult. People, people do not understand how tricky self-dishonesty and self-delusion is. I mean, there's just layers and layers of it. People talk about peeling back the, the onion. There's an onion of self-deception, and like underneath every layer is just more self-deception. And most of us, and I certainly include myself in this, are afraid to see what is what is at the core of that thing. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm getting down there, and it's 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 interesting and it's exciting. It's like developing a relationship with yourself. But um, so. After about a year, uh, you know, my wife's like, you know, this isn't, this isn't working. And I was thinking to myself, you know, well, probably because you're not doing what they say. Uh, but but I, I, did, I didn't say that. And um, I said, well, why don't we try OA? You know, I'd heard about OA, you know, in other rooms. One of the great things about these 12-step communities is like in every room, half or more of the room are in other programs. And they can sort of tell you about those programs, you know, if they, they think you might need it. And I heard about OA. Um, I, I, had, I had lost 50 pounds. I was like, I, I weighed myself this morning. I was 180. Um, I, I, I was 180 when I was like a junior in high school. I, I spent most of my life at like in the 215s and the 220s. And I didn't, even think, I didn't even think I was overweight. You know, I just thought that was like the natural shape of my body or, you know, and just... If you're a guy, there's some advantages to having an extra 50 pounds. Um, you know, you can sort of like literally throw your weight around. You know, you can sort of, in, it, you can intimidate people with your size. Um, and, and I was not reluctant to, you know, intimidate people if I could. I actually enjoyed it. Um, but I lost the weight. I thought I, I was introduced to this BMI thing, which I, I still think is like ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm actually considered by the BMI scale because I'm 5'10 I think I'm, in my current you know body size I think I'm considered obese you know so it's, it's a, the whole thing is it's ridiculous but um, so my wife and I came to, to OA and uh, we came to the kitchen sink meeting and this was probably probably about 13 or 14 years ago and um, we sat in the back and we listened it was a speaker meeting, just like this meeting. It's, this is basically the same meeting, since you guys moved. Um, but, you know, it's a speaker meeting. We listen, and like, you don't have to participate. You know, I mean, if you just want to, like, if you're like a looky-loo, which is what we were, the speaker meetings are perfect. So we came and we listened, and we came and we listened. And after about six months, my wife said, ah, this isn't for me. And, and I just thought, like, oh, my God. And I, I, but I, I didn't say that. I just said, your choice, it's okay. But I continued coming. 
and 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 I never thought I was a compulsive overeater, um, but I learned through attending. You know, some people there's a lot of people on the outside who refer to recovery meetings as classes. It's the funniest thing. What are the classes? You know. Um, so I was attending your classes, and and I, I learned so much about myself and about food. And the main thing I learned, and this is something I don't teach you like in like commercial programs, um, I learned about the concept of uh, compulsion and obsession. You know, I I am obsessive basically about everything. I mean, I don't, you know, there's not a like a non-obsessive setting on my dial. I just have to like pick relatively healthy things to obsess about. So I can obsess about recovery. That's okay. I can obsess about my marriage. I can obsess about my health. I obsess about Sudoku. My wife and I play Sudoku, and it, it's like if I have a little extra steam, I, that's a great way to sort of blow it off. And that's downtime for me, like calculating, you know, the answers to the Sudokus. But, um, you know, I stayed, and, uh, and I learned that, you know, obsession with food is not normal or natural. I mean, at least that's what you guys said, and I just assumed you were telling the truth. Um, and, and most of the stuff that people said, when people are speaking the truth, there's this weird sort of like truth-o-meter that like everybody has, even people who are like to the core bullshit artists, which like many of us are, many of us are, I was one for sure. You can still tell when other people are basically telling the truth. I thought like, you know, and I started to like, you know, I had lost all this weight, but I, I never stopped thinking sort of obsessively about food. And one of the stories that I've, I've told, like from the podium, is for my entire life, when I would go to bed at night, I would sort of have this like mild euphoric feeling as I was drifting off to sleep, thinking that when I woke up, I would get to eat. <laughs> and I just assumed everybody had that feeling, you know? Um, and it turns out that they don't. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got a sponsor. Um, actually, I, I, since he's not here, I'll say his name. Carl was my sponsor at first. And um, I had training, you know, in other recovery programs. And, I, I, and I, I myself tell people if they're asking about sponsorship, I say it would be better to have, like, a... Uh, a retarded schizophrenic as a sponsor than to have yourself as a sponsor. You know, anybody other than you would be an improvement. And then I say, and if, if it doesn't work out, you can always trade up, you know, because nobody cares. It's not a marriage, it's just like a dating relationship. Um, and, you know, you can always change that relationship. Um, so I got a sponsor, and I, I did what the sponsor said, and I, you know, I started working the steps and calling him on a regular basis. And it took years, but eventually, and I'm, I'm kind of at that place today, and it feels great. Um, I, I'm not obsessing about food, you know, and uh, it, it is a it's a tremendous, tremendous relief. Um, my my idea about this program is that it has nothing to do with food. Um, my idea about this program is that it has to do with achieving like a spiritual awakening. And food is just a block. Um, and, and my goodness, what a, 
effective block. I mean, it's just amazing and so so clever, you know, for for the the. Uh, I, I'm actually not religious, but I, I love the idea of like a devil and sort of a god. If 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 the devil wanted to like make it really hard, he would like make something that's essential to our existence the thing that like blocks us from the spirit um, it's just unbelievable how clever that is I have to give him credit um, <laughs> you know so so this thing that's like essential <clears throat> is the thing so you know my my abstinence and, and I, I set this abstinence uh, on January 5th uh, 2007 and I kept it is not having desserts, basically. That's my abstinence. And then my food plan has sort of changed over the years. And I haven't had a dessert since January 5th, 2007. Which is like, that's not a super high bar. Um, and, and when I say dessert, I mean like a typical, like a traditional dessert. Like I, I have, like my big, you know, indulgence is like <laughs> fruit and yogurt. You know, which is delicious. Food and yogurt is delicious. So, you know, I mean, like, I, it's not that I... So my food is, is food that you, you basically know what it is. It's, like, not very processed. And um, I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, Jeff. Jeff American. Um, the guys that he's with have sort of a food plan, which is protein and produce. And, and, and that's my food plan. And I love that food plan. So I don't have bread on my no abstinence. That's five. Oh, my gosh. I, I, think, I, I think you're off because I have me a song. My thing says I only have two minutes and 20 seconds. I'll, I'll take the extra time. Um, so, yeah, so like protein and protein. So, I, so not eating bread is not a part of my abstinence. But I, I honestly can't remember the last time I had a slice of bread. You know, and... and my wife is on a really good food plan as well, and she has other recovery. And, and I, I, when I finally released her, because I used to care, I used to want her to lose weight just because I, I wanted her to look better. And, and the truth of it is, I didn't want it to reflect poorly on me. You know, um, you know, I wanted I wanted her to lose weight so she would be. I didn't want her to be like a supermodel or anything. I mean, I I, I think of her as a supermodel, even at 300 pounds. But I wanted her to look more like in the normal range, just so that it didn't, she didn't look out of place. So that so that people would think, "Gosh, did you see that guy's wife? There must be something wrong with him." Well, it turns out there is something wrong with him. <laughs> and I, I, I gave up trying to hide it. You know, I, I I don't care what anybody thinks of me anymore, and it's such a relief. You know, it's such I you know it's just like it is freedom. We 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 will. We will know. We will know. We will know a new freedom and a new happiness. That's one of the promises. Um, we will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. You know, um, these are words that just they give me chills, and and in part because I have gotten to um, experience it, and and I can transmit it as well by. And part of my transmitting it, part of my ability to transmit it is, like, not giving a shit what anybody thinks, you know. Um, this is, like, one of my favorite lines in the book. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality. Does anybody know what comes after that? Dash. Anybody know? Safe 
and protected. And today, I'm there. And one of the reasons I'm there is because of you guys. I mean, I have to tell you, I had a lot of recovery in other fellowships, but when I actually started to get abstinence in this program, I, I it was like uh, really intense sort of like withdrawal. You know, I mean, my emotions just sort of went nuts. Um, the feelings really came in. The food was really blocking the feelings and, and very effectively. And, and I learned through the recovery process, through, you know, working with the sponsor and having sponsees, how to deal with my feelings. And that has been sort of the core of my recovery. To me, if I can learn how to effectively deal with my feelings, everything else, and, and, I, and I'm accountable and I'm honest, everything else is just going to sort of work itself out. You know, and it has, for the most part. My my goals in recovery are maturity, some relief from self-involvement. But you know, I I cut myself some slack on that because I come from a very low place. I, I'm super super self-involved, super narcissistic. I've heard people say that you cannot a narcissistic can never be cured. <laughs> I I hope that's not true. Um, and then being in relationships and, and, and spending time <coughs> working with other people and trying to help other people which feels great it feels wonderful um, how much time do I have? Uh, one minute okay so um, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace um most people, most sort of normal people, uh, would say, what on earth does food have to do with anything that you've talked about today? And, and the simple answer is, you won't find out until you stop eating the stuff that is numbing you out. And when you stop eating that stuff, <coughs> watch out. Your life's going to change, and you know if you're not in recovery, It'll probably go to bad places. If you're in recovery, it'll feel bad, but at least you won't do the bad things. Like you won't, you know, burn down your house or, you know, <laughs> drive somebody off the road, which I have thought about doing many times. And I, I, I don't want to go to prison, so I don't do it. Um, and I also want to have serenity. And I know that although many people deserve to be taught the lesson by being run off the road, um, I would lose my serenity and, and that's definitely worth it. Thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us at the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I share today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And then it goes till 9.35. And we're going to get a five-minute warning. Ellie. Um, can you talk about your higher power and what it is that you do on a daily basis to maintain that contact? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, so I, it's a, I'll repeat the question. So the question is, uh, can you talk about your higher power and what, you, what do you do on a daily basis to maintain that contact? So um, I, I will say um, that I mentioned being sort of anti-religious. Uh, I'm also um, 
uh, um, an atheist, you know, and uh, I, you know, I think I think the atheists are a minority in recovery, but but I, I just want to say to the majority, watch out, because <laughs> we are growing, you know, and uh, you know, if you ever want to know how these cultures are going to change and the direction that they're going to go, just talk to people who are in their late teens today. And, and those people will set the tone for the changes in culture and, uh, you know, religion is, is, is sort of on its way out uh, with young people anyway. Um, and the reason I mention that is, you know, and, and it's not that I, I, don't, I don't believe that there's not anything out there. Um, I just don't believe that what out there, what's out there is anything that's like a traditional God. I mean, I don't think it's anything that could be understood. I don't think it's, I, I certainly don't think it has any interest in, in me personally you know the, the, what I always tell people and I, I tell this to people a lot and it's really mainly only people I can I sponsor but also like adult children um, I'll, I'll, I'll use my daughter as an example I have a, a there's a woman who lives in Long Beach named Eve Knezevich who, who thinks of herself as my daughter who I did not meet until she was eight years old and, and it, it was just it was a recovery miracle that we developed the kind of really close and functional father-daughter relationship that we did I mean she can tell me anything and she does sometimes she tells me stuff that I I'm like why is she telling me this um, she's actually she's been married she's married for three years she's uh, it's, it's a, it seems like a fairly you know stable relationship you know I mean I, my wife and I don't know all the details but um you know, I, sometimes I will say to her, just in a moment of weakness, you know, you're not supposed to give unsolicited advice, but I think with sponsees and children, you can kind of break that rule every once in a while. I will also actually admit, just as an aside, that, that I'm a, like a, a really good example of, a, of an extremely untreated Al-Anon, you know. And um, I have to say, recovery is the untreated Al-Anon's dream because you get all these people who want you to give advice you know, <laughs> you know, you know as opposed to everybody else who like is just telling you no no I don't want to hear it so what, what I'll say is I'll say Eve please take care of yourself because that really is your only job and it's important to remember that nobody else has that job so if you don't take care of yourself nobody will so, as far as, and I just mentioned that because of the idea that the God's looking over, you know, I mean, I, I don't believe in an afterlife, and, but, but I do know that there, there are forces out there that are beyond my comprehension and that, that work through us. I 100% believe in a spiritual life and a spiritual existence, and, um, and it's, it's, for me, it's been really freeing to be, you know, open about it. You know, sometimes I mention it, and I, I can, you know, people are kind of like, you know, um, and you know, a decade or two from now, we will be past all of that. Um, you know, I, I think that Bob and Bill, you know, realized that they were on to something. Um, I, I don't think they fully got it, and I think the reason it's so religiousized is because. They, they equated religion with spirituality. There was just nothing. There was no, the, the concept of a spiritual atheist was completely foreign to them. Um, so my higher power is, is uh, 
Michael and Ellie and Brian and I know your name but I can't remember it Megan Megan you're from GSR right yeah. yes <laughs> and uh, Adam and uh, and uh, Victor. Victor and you know I mean and, and so I have this community of people who all are trying to manifest change and I have to tell you out there in the real world there's a lot of people who are absolutely convinced that nothing ever changes and nothing can be changed they're, they're resigned and this is where the action is at so this, this is my higher power you guys are my higher power the community is my higher power the fellowship you know the book I mean the, the stories in this book are amazing nobody reads stories you know forget about knowing where the promises are nobody reads the stories I, I'm in a fellowship that is studying this book at multiple meetings a week you know I, the other day I asked somebody you know there's this great I'm just going to read a couple of sentences here I healed physically felt good my senses returned I began to hear the delicate sound of autumn leaves rattling in the wind to feel the touch of snowflakes on my face to see the first new leaves of spring and every time I read that I, it, I moved because that was what happened to me when I got accident in this program my, my senses returned and many people you could read that and they wouldn't even understand that was from the book there's a story in this book that says we don't read the book we study it and most people do not study the book so the combination of the fellowship the program and the book is it, it, my higher power and then as far as my daily routine um, I, I do prayer and meditation almost every morning Like I, I might miss like one a month Sundays are particularly tough for me because I'm off my normal schedule but like I, I, I read the third step prayer the seventh step prayer and then I read On Awakening to the end of chapter 6 um, and then I do my meditation and then I, I, I take and receive calls I'm on a Monday through Friday I'm on a nice sort of group call with Michael and others you know there's a lot of readings um, sometimes I, I haven't told Michael this but sometimes I'll get calls from, from my sponsees sometimes in other programs when I'm on this group call and I just conference them into the call <laughs> so I've got a guy in another fellowship who's like he, 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 he's like you know that that sponsor you have in the food program and, and he knows because you know he, he just participated he just sort of listened so I, I make calls and I take calls uh, I sponsor a lot of people uh, I mean not like not like a scad but I probably have 10 you know ish maybe maybe high single digits and, and I've got sponsees that I, I'm not trying to like stay above my sponsees I, I want my sponsees to grow as much as possible and if I, I, I used to tell people and they, they thought it was funny you know don't let me hold you back if you want to pass me off feel free to do it and then we'll just change positions mm-hmm. and, and what has happened with one guy uh, you know I, I, I tried to do Al-Anon I really did like for like 15 years and I just it just didn't work for reasons that I'm just not sure everybody understands it knows me I, I'm sort of helpless and hopeless in this regard but I have a guy who is my sponsee in our other program who when I have a serious Al-Anon issue and I, at least I know that I have them I go to him for advice so he's sort of like my like sort of de facto Al-Anon sponsor and so the phone is like huge 
Um, I'd say that the things that I do for my spiritual fitness above all else, and I don't do this 100% of the time, but sometimes sponsees are kind of like children. You know, uh, they're not all, they might all be loved the same, but they're not all liked the same. <laughs> and sometimes you have a sponsee who's just like a pain in the ass. And, 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 and I usually say, I would not want to sponsor me. I, I'm a pain in the rear for most of my sponsors. But sometimes the phone will ring and I, and I just think, oh, that guy. I take those calls. Taking those calls is really, really important. Or like I just, sometimes I think, I don't have anything. There's not, I don't have anything to give. There's nothing to give. So why would I answer the phone? And I remember one time I had a guy who was a really high-achieving sponsee and I just picked up and I said, I, I didn't feel like taking the call. And he said, I didn't feel like making the call. <laughs> and, then, and then we had a nice conversation. And we both felt better afterwards. So I, I, I probably take or make, you know, between 10 and 20 program calls per day. Um, and, you know, it's like, it seems like a lot. Some of them are very brief. You know, sometimes if I'm very busy, I'll just pick up. I'll say, it's great to hear your voice. Are you Okay. They say yes because they, they'll always say yes. They could be on the edge of a building. And I think, are you okay? They're like, yeah, I'm okay. Um, but as long as they sign off on that, like, have a great day. We'll talk later. So that's my. That's probably too long an answer, but that's my higher power. Thank you. You made a point to emphasize you know, honesty is one of the most important things, and actually one of the most difficult things. And it seems like you weren't talking about the type of honesty of like you know, telling outright lies. But how do you be real with yourself and with people? And I was wondering what you had to go through to kind of stop feeling like you were wearing a mask and stop going through the you know, process of self, self-deception and things like that. That's a great question. The question is how do you how do you get to the point where you don't feel like you're wearing a mask and you're not engaged in self-deception? Um, there's a guy that goes to one of the meetings that I go to who talks about his sponsor used to ask him do you engage in self-deception? And he would say, no. And then his sponsor would point out that it's the nature, just like they say it's the nature of this disease that the patient does not know they're sick, it's the nature of self-deception that the self-deceiver, they don't know. And if you knew, it wouldn't be self-deception. I mean, once you strip away that deception, then you're left with choices. And and that's where you want to be. I mean, it's, most people would say, no, no, I don't want to be there. It's sort of like in the Matrix where, you know, it's like, do you want to take the blue pill or the red pill? Most people would just want to live in, in the delusion. You know, it's just easier. This is, not, this is not for the faint of heart. You know, this, this lifestyle is, is, uh, is, is challenging in many ways. So you, you get rid of that self-deception. The way you get rid of self-deception, and it relates to steps that are like, almost never spoken about. It's the steps where there's like a paragraph on one, five, a paragraph on one and maybe two paragraphs on the other is six and seven. But, and and I'd say they're probably the two most important steps in the book and nobody ever talks about them. I would also say that most of the way that I hear the steps talked about I I think is not correct. And I'm not saying that to be pedantic, and I, although I know it sounds pedantic. People talk about working the steps, or I, I went through the steps. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. I mean, every time you come to a meeting, you're working steps, you know. Every time you talk to a fellow, you're working steps. 
I mean, most of us are probably working three or four steps simultaneously through the day, you know. So, like, you're not working steps, you're, you're living steps. You're, you're manifesting steps. It's not like a process that you go through and you're done. It's a process that you manifest and then improve and improve and improve. It's a practice of living the steps, not working the steps or getting through the steps. Sometimes hear people say, I finished the steps. I'm just like, I'm sponsoring you. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and, and give me their contact information. Um, but no, no, it's just like, so it's like, and, and, and it's, it's a tough road to hoe, but, you know, start by getting a sponsor, any sponsor, and then, you know, listen, respond. The, the, the fourth step done well is tremendously helpful. I, I don't believe that it's a one-time deal and then everything else is covered by step 10, which a lot of people say. Step 10 just says, if you've effed up, apologize, you know. That's not what step four is about. Step four is about uncovering, you know, your defects. Um, so if you stop doing that, you're, you're probably going to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Like if you find yourself getting angry at your spouse like for a period of years or decades, there's probably an answer in the fourth step for you that you've just missed because you're not going to it. My view of the fourth step is that it's something that you do to get the hang of and then just continue to do it forever. Every time you have a disturbance, you look for your part. And that, that my part part is really like, that's almost the only thing that the fourth step is about. Those first three columns is just to set up what was my part? Where was I prideful? Where was I deluded or deceived? You know, I, and, and people don't like it. You know, I mean, I, I shared from the podium, like, for example, at an AA meeting that I have struck my spouse. You know, I'm a wife beater. You know, and the reason I can say that is because I'm not trying to protect my reputation and, and my wife loves me and she accepts me and I accept myself and I'm okay with the truth. But you, you can, people just squirm, you know, because like half the people in the room have either done it or received it, you know, and nobody wants to talk about it, you know. And the reason I did it was because I couldn't control my emotions because I had no structure, you know. But I'm not ashamed of it, you know. There's a line on, this is one of my other favorite lines on page 124 in the family afterwards. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. You know, it's kind of like one of the promises too, we will not regret the past, but wish to shut the door on it. And it's just like, you know, it's not a quick fix. You know, it's like a 20 year project. Um, but you won't ever get to it until you start. And the way you start is by getting a sponsor, working the steps, and then as soon as you're able, this is my view, I, I want my sponsees sponsoring as soon as possible. <clears throat> because then, you know, it's one thing to talk about um, the sponsees' problems. <clears throat> and, and the problems are kind of interesting, but they're like basically all the same. And it's, like, it's like the same set of problems. Once they get into like dealing with sponsees, that's when you start to get down to the real sort of like, who is this person? You know, like, are, do they have tendencies to be manipulative? Do they have tendencies to be, uh, you know, are they trying to look good? You know, are they prideful? You know, that's where the defects really come out in relationships. Um, so if you have sponsees, I would encourage them to sponsor as soon as possible, as soon as you think they're possibly ready to go. Even just the act of making yourself available for sponsorship can be transformative. I mean, when I was going to the meeting at the log cabin, uh, Michael Blunt's my sponsor, and uh, 
you know, I would say, who's, who's available to sponsor? You know, <clears throat> and I would stand up. Like for years, I stood up. And every time there was a new guy, the, he always went to Michael. And I thought, you know, I mean, I, I really thought that motherfucker. You know, he, 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 he's, it's like he's, he's a ball hawk, you know, like in his basketball. He's, pass the ball, pass the ball. You know, he's taking all the sponsees. And, you know, I, I came to realize that it, it, it has nothing to do with him and it has everything to do with me. And it's just like, you know, make yourself available. It's sort of like the, the hokey expression, build it and they will come. Build your recovery life and they will come. As a matter of fact, you won't be able to shake them when you get to that point. Was that, was that it, Carol? That's it. All right.